Blog Talk Radio. Don't go to bed with no price on your head.
back in here. Hey, hey, hey. What's up? This is A-Town. Apologize the music stopped, and we were not in it. So, like, this is the first show, and, you know, we're we getting this together because we're switching over, you know, formats and everything else. So, this is the next chapter. The next chapter is literally talking about what it takes to get to the next part of your life. And we're talking about all aspects. We're going to talk about it from a non-religious view, a religious view. We're going to talk about it from a clinical view. We're going to talk about it just from the view of everybody on the planet that we can encompass. This is a call-in show. So if at any point you want to call in and you want to say something, you can call in at 646-668-2574. If you know somebody needs to listen to this, have them come. Get on the radio, listen to the D-Hour Network, the next chapter. And again, like I said, this is a reboot because, you know, it used to be me and my co-host, Joy Joy. Now I got my brother, my brother in crime and my brother in life, Gypsy Soul Child. Say something, Gypsy. Gypsy, are you there? I cannot hear you. My bad, my bad, technical difficulties. What up, what up, what up? How you doing, everybody? Everybody, get used to this voice because you will be hearing it much and much often. All right? Um, we, just, we just want you guys to enjoy the show. Hopefully, not only are we going to help y'all, y'all going to help us, and we're going to get this. Yes, this is my brother, but we all family, and that's how we're going to treat this thing like a family affair. Yes, indeed. And so now, you know, I'm going to give you the official rundown of what we are, you know, because, you know, I had to be typed up, so we got to be, you know, professional. This is an open, in-depth conversation about dreams, determination, and dedication and the journey taken to realize them, focusing on transitioning from one level to another and recognizing when and how to move to the next chapter. See, we're not talking about mediocrity, mediocrity. We're not talking about just settling. We're talking about people on a journey trying to get someplace, and that someplace is a better place because we don't have to work to get to a worse place. We can get to a worse place real simple. We're talking about getting to a better place and what it looks like, and we know that it's no one size fits all. Everybody's journey is different. So we're going to have different people on from famous people to successful people to everyday people, and I make the delineation so you get an idea, but everybody is people, but each of them represent a different chapter in life, and we're going to talk about how they got from one place to another, how they recognize the signs, what signs they recognize, did they use spirituality, did they use philosophy, you know, were they, were they Buddhist, were they Hare Krishnas, whatever, we don't care, as long as it's helpful and it's something that's going to help people get to the next chapter, that's what we're talking about. So now we're going to introduce ourselves, and our introductions are, are not going to be typical. We're going to just talk about how we want. So with that, Gypsy, tell the people a little bit about yourself, um, your idea of moving to the next chapter, and what made you want to do the radio show. Um, all right, well... I got a phone call one day. Just make it short and simple. <laughs> I was born a part. No, I'm sick. Um, <laughs> I 
was born a poor black child. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, honestly, this is uh, basically this is. We're letting you guys in on private conversations at this point. Um, the way I look at it is because this is just pretty much what we do. <laughs> you know, I have a problem or issue. I call my brother. My brother has one. He calls me. And we kind of work through these things together. Um, again, with that being said, nobody has the end-all, be-all, or correct answer. We just cycle through it together. So I always thought that was a dope conversation that we or a dynamic that we shared. So when I got the call to, hey, open this up to other people, I was like, bet, I'm in. I'm just whatever you need me to do. So that, that for me, that was that what that was. And a little bit about myself, um, I am very observant and a natural-born fool, so, you know... <laughs> Hopefully, I bring some brevity. <laughs> I bring some brevity to the situation, you know. No matter how painful, lighthearted, because um, you know I watch a lot of movies and, and read a lot of stuff. And you know, one of my favorite movie quotes is uh, the Joker. Have you ever heard the healing power of laughter? And sometimes that's that's all you need. You know, laughing sure beats crying most days. So. You know, that's just me. Yeah. And and don't and don't let him fool you. Here's my historian. This is an avid reader. How many biographies and autobiographies have you say you read? Uh this year? <laughs> or this month? <laughs> <laughs> Lifetime. I mean I Lifetime. Read... Oh man, I can't even count. Like it's it's I've I've read uh, a lot of ballpark. Uh, I would say I've read in my lifetime outside of what school makes you read. Mm, I would say I've read close to maybe a hundred different biographies from historical his uh, historical figures to entertainers to politicians to you know you name it all over the all over the gambit because. You know, everybody makes a mistake, and sometimes, you know, my mom always told me there's wisdom earned and wisdom learned. So if I don't have to go out like somebody who had to learn a hard lesson, even better for me. So thank you for your <laughs> thank you for that, <laughs> and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to apply it. That's just me. And that's one of the main reasons I chose him because, he is a walking encyclopedia and almanac of human experience. And in our conversations, we'll be talking about something that we went through. And I go, oh, man, that reminds me of this biography or autobiography I read about this person. He was talking about what he went through and this, that, and the other. And that's one of the main things that he brings. He brings a historical reference. And he, he has a great memory. Like, he memorizes the stuff like he read it yesterday. So... Don't let him fool you. He's just not, just not my brother, and this is just not everyday conversation. He has a wealth of knowledge and insight to bring, and, he, and he's a very spiritual brother too. So, you know, and that's, that's me pumping up my host. 
you know, um, and that's my brother, <laughs> my gypsy soul child. But he, he'll make it look like, you know, I just, you know, I, hey, dude, you, you, you're bored? Come on the show. It's like, no, I picked him for a, a, a good reason. <laughs> and so, and we, uh, we're going to do a lot of laughing. We're going to talk about some serious stuff. But like you said, we're going to do a lot of laughing. We don't take ourselves too seriously, but we do take our subject matter seriously. So a little bit about me. My name is Anthony Rucker. They call me A-Town. I am what's called a doctoral intern or a pre-doc intern. That means that um, I'm done with my doctoral program. You know, I finished my pre-doc hours, but I have not finished my dissertation yet. Um, I spent the last couple years working as a um, therapist on a doctoral level under the supervision of a licensed um, therapist. Um, I've worked in private practice, and I've worked in an IMD, which is considered, which is called the Institute for Mental Disease. So that's for people outside of California. In California, we call it conserved, um, whatever you call people who are in psychological holes where they um, have been deemed a danger to themselves or others and have been institutionalized. That's basically where I work at now. And like I said, I worked at a private practice. Um, I've worked in group homes. I've worked in intensive outpatient um, facility for people on parole and probation, dual diagnosis co-occurring, which means that they had a substance abuse and a, psych- um, a substance problem and a psychological issue. Um, so I tend to bring a mixture of a world um, view, my personal and also my clinical view. And so, and I will bring in a lot of clinical stuff because I think that it's very important that there's knowledge out there that people don't have access to because they don't have insurance or the stigma is associated with therapy. So I bring it out here and I give a lot of that. Not that I'm not going to give my own opinion and I'm not going to therapize you to death. And I make up words because I'm not in my office. So I'm not going to therapize you to death. In other words, I'm not going to feed you BS in the name of therapy. I will let you know where therapeutic theory falls short or I believe it falls short and I'll let you know where it's very helpful. And so that's me. I, I live the life as a poet and an author. I have a book called The Relationship Cookbook. I have another book coming out called True Game. I have another book coming out called Jesus Wept. Again, I'm just anal retentive and I do a lot of stuff. But enough about me. That's what you're listening to. Me, A-Town, and Gypsy Soul. And so <laughs> we're always going to start off with the topic of the day. And the topic of the day is going to be randomly picked by either me or Gypsy. And, um, and then we're going to talk about it because we also think that we should be relevant and timely. And in it, you know, there's some next chapters that need to get to, not just in our lives, but in, in a social context. So we want to discuss social issues. So it's a um, magazine that I love. It's an online magazine called Column. K-O-L-U-M-N. And it has their own articles and it pulls from other resources that deal with the, the um, African-American diaspora or the African diaspora. They do everything from African history to black and um, the African-American history. I say African history to African-American history. They deal with um, social problems on all continents dealing with people of color. And today there was an article that says new criminal justice film series from the Marshall Project highlights Chicago witnesses to systems injustice. And it was um, 
done by the paper, I think, called the Chicago Defender. And so there's a whole lot of stuff going on, especially since the um, This Is Us documentary that is pointing out more and more about the atrocities and the miscarriages of justice on black people and people of color, period, in this country. And every day we see another video where somebody was said to commit a crime. When we watch the video, we don't see that crime. We, when people say that this was a just arrest and then we get information about 20 or 30 years later, sometimes 40 years later, four years later, of somebody getting out of jail or prison because they were exonerated and they served all of this time for crimes they didn't commit. So the topic I want to bring up is how far do we go back, if we go back, and what do we do knowing that a great number of people of color from the institution of the American justice system, especially up to the um the mid eighties, and I mean not that it's went away, there's a good chance that there are a great number of people who are in there unjustly. How do we deal with that and how do we address it? Like do do we just go through and review um review every case between like nineteen twenty and pick a say year nineteen eighty five and make sure that everything is just and then begin throwing out stuff that's unjust and then letting stuff sit that's just? Do we just let people sit in there knowing that, you know, there was this gigantic system where people were just being unjustly imprisoned. I'm like, how do we rectify it and do it with a moral conscious and, and, and actually do it in a manner that addresses the level of the issue or can it be addressed? So if you have any comment about that, you can call in at 646-668-2574. Me and Gypsy Child are going to kick it off. And so, Gypsy, what do you think? Is there a way to address this? Do do we just cover our eyes and say there's too many people who are just unjustly in prison? We can't do anything about it. We just can get the ones that we want. Do we try to revamp the system? Do do we set up a government entity whose sole job is to review um, questionable cases of people of color, you know, for the last 50 years? I mean, what do we do, man? What's your thought? Uh, you just started some shit. <laughs> I told you, and, and so you know, and so you know how how how, how forthright this is. We, whoever picks the topic doesn't tell the other person, so you can't have any just you know um, you know rhetoric, you know pre pre prefabricated sprout. Oh yes, what I'm gonna do, or go look it up because we want what's actually in your heart, your thought, because we don't only want answers, solutions, or suggestions, we want process. And so the way we get process is by starting at the beginning. So we're starting at the beginning of his process. Like, what do you think about that, dude? What do we do? Uh, okay. (laughs) 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 All right. Um, Okay, so first we got to stop the bleed. Okay. Um, we we got to stop the bleed. 
And what I mean by stopping the bleed is we have to, first and foremost, we of people of color, let's face it, we're targeted just more so than our non, well, our white counterparts. Let's just be honest. Um, and that's a system that's been going on for quite some time. I don't give a damn. Let us not forget, you know, when you hear people say, you know, well, if they would pull up, the, if these young men would pull up their pants and stop wearing hoodies, well, Martin Luther King took his ass to jail in a suit, too. So shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, matter of fact, I, so, not to me, right, when he got killed, he was wearing a suit. So apparently, word, hoodie or suit. Word. Neither one of them is safe. Right. Uh, a necktie or, or or a hoodie will get you popped if you're black in America. You know, um, let us not forget that, you know, Richard Pryor, I think in the late 70s, or no, mid-70s, had a joke where he would talk about, like, you know, police brutality. And it was like, you know, uh, something to the effect like, oh, you know, they, oh, 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 oh. We killed him. We, you know, we put him in a chokehold. We killed him. Uh, can we break a nigga? Oh, yep, right here on page 14. Yep, that's the law. We can break a nigga. Okay. I mean, and that was 40 years ago, 40-some-odd years ago. So, first off, marching in the streets don't get you, and, and raising your voice and your fist don't get you nothing but tired and, <laughs> and pepper sprayed, you know, so that does nothing because every, we didn't. They marched in the sixties and we still didn't getting shot in the head in two thousand almost two thousand and twenty. So cut that out. Um, first and foremost, know the laws, know the know your rights, and then know a code of conduct. And then we have to universally, as people of color, maintain that. Mom and or dads, whoever are in the home raising the babies, first you learn the code of conduct and the, um, and your laws and your rights locally, and then you teach them to your children. That's what, that it wasn't the guns that made the Black Panthers dangerous. It was their sense of community that made them Dangerous, I believe. Uh, who was that? J. Edgar Hoover said the Black Panther Party was the most dangerous group in American society to the fa- to the fabric of American society, and that says something. And it wasn't because they were walking around with black with black uh, leather jackets and berets. I mean, that was a fa- that was a bold fashion statement. But hey, whatever. Um, <laughs> but it was the fact that they knew the law. And they were, and they weren't afraid to carry out the law, you know what I mean. But then you also yeah. have a situation like with the Panthers, um, in Oak, when they went to Sacramento, they threw them in jail, and then Ronald Wilson Reagan, then governor, um, changed the laws so that the Panthers were, um, so that the people who got arrested would be arrested under this new law that they grandfathered back to them for because at that time they were allowed to bring in um bring in guns to the state legislator as long as they were registered. 
they grandfathered but, okay. that law and two brothers in prison behind that. So number one, so that's the law. Number two, hold on. Number two, do what the civil rights. If you really gonna study the civil rights movement, study study more than just the tactics of marching, but study the fact that they had lawyers on deck. Get your legal game up first. First gotcha. and foremost, now that's not gonna stop you from getting a bullet to the temple, but that will get your family paid and the rest of the community take action. Activism is not a cell phone video and then you posting it on Facebook. That don't happen. If you have, don't worry about your politicians on the local level uh, just being, oh, well, I'm going to vote for this black guy. No. Make sure that black guy aligns or black woman or white man or white woman aligns with where you want to see the country or your neighborhood going. And then most Im- most importantly of all, once you got your legal game on on deck, most importantly of all, take some pride in your community, man. Know who know who's walking the beat or patrolling the area. Know your neighbors so you can police yourselves. Because personally, I don't trust I think there was Three things that came out about police. Number one, because I have a I have a uh, I have a cousin that works in uh, the like the the Justice Department here in Cleveland uh, for the okay. city of Cleveland, and she said that one most of the cops w- that were there at one point in time were were the were the were the herds in high school. They got pumped, so they need a position of power. So what did they do? They got a badge and they got a gun, first and foremost. Hmm. So now they got authority when they was punks their entire life. That's one. Number two, the second profile, you have a lot of veterans that come back and that's still fighting in Iraq in their head and when they're dealing with folks. So the slightest little thing can send them over to a, to a war type of situation then lastly, and this is very important, there has been a, I think everybody should go, if you're a person of color, not to promote Spike Lee, which I don't have a really a problem with, but go watch Black Klansmen, because there's something very important in Black Klansmen. A cat named David Duke, who is a real person, um, was the Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. Later, I think 20 years Later, the Joker uh, from the timeline in the movie, 15 to 20 years later, I think, he ran for president. And it came out that he was an ex-Klansman. But one thing that he said, they were building up, even in the late 60s, early 70s, they were building up to so that the, the fools that you see on the street just, you know, yeah, well, God bless America, love it or leave it. I'm holding the Confederate flag, and I'm a neo-Nazi and all that crap. Those are the dummies. The people that they really get infiltrate law enforcement. They infiltrate the justice system. So they uphold the that clause in the 13th Amendment to put make you make your colored behind a slave by committing a crime. And that's how they get you. But you got to know all of this stuff first 
put it into action and then police your community yourself. So but that, that stops the bleeding. Hold up, but that stops the bleeding, but that doesn't do anything for the people already in. So what do we do about the people? So we got that. We're policing ourselves. We are slowing the trickle of us into the um, prison industrial system, into legal slavery. We're patrolling our neighborhoods. Say that, you know, we bring it down to almost a halt where we, where, you know, we have our people becoming um, the police officers and not the herbs, not the people, you know, who got, you know, bullied in school or look to make power statements. We do all of that. What do we do with the people who we have a good inkling to believe are in prison unjustly? Do we just say, okay, we got to the other side, so that's just the cost? Or do we try to overhaul or do we cherry pick? Like, what do we do with the massive numbers of people who, like, there's a brother, um, who I just saw on um, an article with Column, who just got out of jail for, like, after like 30 something years for $20 worth of marijuana. Like, what do we do with those people who are still in under those draconian drug laws? Like, that's what I'm asking. Like, cause I, and I, and I totally agree with you in stopping the bleeding, but what do we do about those people who, who are, who are bleeding out inside the system? How do, what do we do um, with that? Do we, um, I think secondarily, like that's, that's tier one. Stop the bleed. Then, um, I hate to say it like this, but, hey, you know what? And I'm going to call some names out and folks may get mad, but, you know, whatever. I don't give a damn about a Magic Johnson movie theater, Starbucks, and nothing like that because he's using, they're using his, those companies are using his face. He don't own that. He licensed himself. So, Good looking out to Irvin Magic Johnson for being a brand, but I'm and I'm not saying that he hasn't done anything. But hey, dude, come on, do something to get these brothers that was locked up. And even if you're not doing it yourself, go and get the go and fund the the grassroots community groups who are, are doing this and who need the funding to actually get some of these innocent people out of jail. Go start there. You got to hit up your athletes. Oprah, you know. Uh, yeah, President Barack Obama, you did your thing, but you still a millionaire, brother. Yeah, we need to see some of them. We need to see some of them ducks. Michelle, so you talking about getting the book. Get you, get you, get you, you to trickle. Hey, the Republicans say it best. It's the trickle down. Come on. Because, yeah, the black 1% and the black dollar help get that one, black 1% there. We need to give back, even if you're doing it like Michael Jackson and Prince did before they died. Very covert. Because you don't want people to see it coming back to you or you don't want to know, that's fine. We'll find expound out. Expound on that. Expound on that so people know what you're talking about. But before you do that, let's do this. This is the D Hour Network on Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the next chapter, TNC Radio, with your host, H A Town, and your other host, 
Gypsy Soul Child. If you want to uh, be a part of this conversation, you can dial in at 646-668-2574. Again, that is 646-668-2574. If you want to say something, but you don't want to be on the air, if you have either my or on Gypsy's phone number, text message us, and we will read your um, information, you know, your question on air. And also what we're going to do um, is we're going to set up a Facebook page and an Instagram page where you can um, get us, because we had an old one, but I don't know if I still have access to it. But we're going to set up um, in the next two weeks, we'll have a, um, a Facebook and an Instagram page where you can also send in questions. But again, TNC Radio, the next chapter on the on Blog Talk Radio, the D Hour Radio Network. And again, the number to call in is 646-668-2574. And we're going to get back to Gypsy Soul Child. And the topic of the day was the um, prison injustice system and what do we do with it. His first his first point was to stop the bleeding, and now he's talking about getting the, our people who are part of that top 1% and the affluent and their role and responsibility in it. So get back to that, Gypsy. Let him know what you're saying. Well, like, you know, Michael Jackson went, Michael Jackson uh, was in the Guinness Book of World Records, not just for selling music, but we found out at the, at the time of his death, he was the one of the, in the Guinness Book of World Records, for charitable contributions. Like, I didn't know that. Lived in, yeah, we lived in New York. Um, you know, uh, everybody knows the bad video, right? That mm-hmm. video was shot in the 80s. And I believe it's the Hoyt Skimmerhorn subway system. In, in the subway there, where everybody was dancing and then you saw popping tacos mm-hmm. from break all up in there. Yeah. And Jeffrey Daniels from Shalimar was there. Yeah, I know all that stuff. But anyway. Um, That's why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, in order to shoot that there, I don't know if anybody has ever heard of or knew of New York in the 80s. Man, it was a reason why they had that movie uh, Escape from New York in the 70s, because New York was that bad. It was that bad. Crack riddled and all of that. It was bad. I mean, like, they had heroin hit, homelessness, Reaganomics, and then crack. Like, back to back to back to back to back. It was a war. That's a heck of a hat trick right there. Yeah. It was terrible. So, it, it it was really, really bad. So, in order for Michael Jackson to film there, guess what had to happen? He had to put some Maybe of that thriller money. He had to put some of that thriller money to use. So they helped fix up the subway system. They also Michael Jackson also helped fix um, because Wesley Snipes was in that in the bad video too, right? And it's the yeah. part where yeah. it's all in black and white. You got to see the long version where Michael plays this kid, and it's based on a true story, actually. Um, he plays this kid who goes away to private school and then he comes back and he has to prove that he's down in the neighborhood, you know, with all of his homies. Michael Jackson, when he touched down, Martin Scorsese directed the video and he was like, Michael 
couldn't believe that people in the United States lived like this. Now, quick thing about Michael Jackson, that joker came from abject poverty. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. Gary, Indiana, his father was picking potatoes so they could eat. And had a job at a steel mill. You know what I mean? Abject poverty. So, yeah, Joe beat them kids, but he also made them superstars. So, mm, whatever. Some of y'all beating y'all kids for a ham sandwich. Shut up. Anyway. <laughs> oh, Anyhow. Let's get back. Let, let's get back to the, um, <laughs> to, to the to the subject at hand. We're talking about their contrib- right. um their con um their charitable contributions. Right. So what he did was. So what he did was. Oh man, this is messed up. So the buildings he had to film in were run down, dilapidated. So he got those fixed up so that the filming could happen, and then he continued to get those fixed up. He did that in Brazil when he did the They Don't Care About Us video. He And he started doing that all around the world. So his charitable contributions wasn't just limited to, you know, the We Are The World album, but you never knew Michael Jackson did all of this stuff until after his he died because he did it through a corporation or very quietly didn't tell people how he what was going on other people just went out and did it now when you're at a certain level of fame celebrity um financial uh influence you can do things very quietly without people knowing so it's it is it you know we have to hit up that 1% i mean not for nothing, the Black Panthers in uh in the uh what was that? The Sammy Davis Jr. biography. Um Yes I Can. I think no, it wasn't Yes I Can. Anyway, I can't remember which one I read. But in that one he talked about how he met with the Panthers and they prepped him about like, hey man, what you gonna do? And he he said, Well y'all sit down and he met with the brothers and he said, You know what, I can contribute to this. I like what y'all are doing. Here, take this money. And he gave them a significant amount of cash. Now, everybody, all and my father and them always remember him hugging Nixon publicly, but they don't know that he gave to the Panthers privately, which was dope. You see what I'm saying? So we mm-hmm. got to get more of that so we can get that. It takes money to fight a, lo- a legal battle, especially something from 2030 you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. So that's how we start getting the money up to get these brothers and sisters out, you know, black and brown. And that's what we got to do. I mean, and we can't allow, ooh, even, we can't allow even people like Kim Kardashian coming to take the credit for, for what the ground troops did just because she said somebody's name Real quick, you didn't cause attention to that. The attention was already there. It was already being founded. You're a culture vulture. Please go sit down. You see what I'm saying? And we have to guard that better. So, you know, it's just policing ourselves before we get to get into jail and then policing ourselves to remove ourselves from jail when we are not, uh, when we're not supposed to be there, basically. Okay, so we, we're about to break. So sum it up. Um, do, 
do we go after the prison system and the injustice system piece by piece, or do we just try to do a, a massive overhaul? Like, are we are we are we going to do the the walk down the hill, or are we going to do the run down the hill? We got to do it piece by piece. We got to first organize ourselves on the outside before we can do anything for anybody on the inside. We have to organize All right. ourselves. So there you go. Um, and that is Gypsy Soul Child take on how we stop the bleeding and what we do. My, my personal view is I think that we need to do what Gypsy said in, 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 in that, you know, we take after the civil rights movement, the civil rights movement, they had a social arm, they had a legal arm, like the Montgomery bus boycott was actually um, being just dismantled. And it wasn't until Thurgood Marshall, you know, took his butt into the court system and, and got the, um, the, the, um, the responses to the bus boycott to be labeled as illegal. And, and therefore they had to stop him. that, you know, the bus boycott succeeded. Without that legal arm, without him getting those tactics of the Montgomery Police Department and the government, you know, labeled, you know, illegal or unjust or whatever the actual term or, you know, um, legal term it was addressed, but without him doing that, they were being successful and they were breaking it. You know, so I think that, you know, we can only do things one day at a time. And I think we take it piece by piece. And I think the piece that we the size of the piece that we take should be exactly proportionate and commensurate with our level of knowledge and ability to handle it. So if we can only do one, one a day. We do one a day. If we can do five a year, we do five a year. If we can do more, we do more. But what we don't want to do is mess it up. And so, yeah, that, that's my just quick sum up. So I agree with um, what brother said, you know, and we need to talk to those the most affluent among us and get them to, you know, fund it and do their share. But, you know, we're going to drop that for a minute now. Again, this is the D-Hour Radio Network. This is TNC Radio, the next chapter. And today's topic we're going to introduce now is working through pain. And so we're going to um, play a couple songs. Then we're going to um, come back and we're going to get into our subject matter. So with that, let's get into a little bit of music. And we're about to kick it off with Tupac, Pain. I couldn't help but note your pain. My pain? It runs deep. Share it with me. Never take me alive, I'm getting high with my profile Cocked on these suckers, time to die Even as a youngster, causing ruckus on the back of the bus I was a fool all through high school, kicking up dust But now I'm labeled as a troublemaker Who can you blame, smoking weed, help me take away the bank So I'm hopeless, rolling down the freeway, swerving, no worries I'm about to crash upon the curb, cause my business love me Maybe if they try to understand me, what should I do? I had to feed my fucking family, what else could I do? I'm slanging with the homies, fuck hanging with them phonies in the club Got my mind no danger, never been a stranger to homicide My city's full of gang bangers and drive-bys Why do we 
memories of a corpse My full of sick thoughts And I ain't going back to court So fuck what you thought I'm drinking in the sea Running from my enemies Will I let them be 23 And so much pain That rough life, running crazy while as a kid and growing tough with a knife, but living life on the regular, walking out competitors. See a pick up moving, chase them down like a fucking predator. Get in trouble every day in school, act a fool, and you know I had to break every rule. Showing off for the bitches, cause I had the mad breath, so I had to watch my back when it was time to step. But my crime is the crime is with love for me, a pop pop, it's in the sucker up above for me. And yo, currency can pass me by, but I didn't cry. Broke got hit off of the pack and started selling coke And now the money's looking lovely Hop the drop top and now the bitches wanna rub me Kick them the game, it's all the same I kick it back, yo Give them slack, yo And now they label me the Mac, yo People check it, get disrespected If you run on the bird, man You heard, man Catch a couple shots in the clock in my hand Damn, at least I'm realistic With my biscuit You know you get your ass twisted So run for cover Me and my man got a plan Kicking major done So if you own Look for the gauge to bust I like the pressure with the street fame It's a deep game and my mama always crying Yo, there's so much pain They got me mobbing like I'm loafed and ready to get my slug on I load my clip and slip my motherfucking gloves on I ain't scared to blast, only suffers if they test me Trust, I got my Glock, I'm a player if they press me Bust some motherfuckers with a passion Better talk us, I ain't looking when I'm blasting I'm a nothing drinking in a sea And getting high on the lookout for my enemies Don't wanna die, tell me why Cause the stress is getting major A buck fifty cross the brakes with my razor What can I do but be a thug until I'm dead and gone I keep my brain on the game and stay headstrong These sorry bastards wanna kill me in my sleep I'm really cannot see and every day is just Steady thugging on the streets and I've been falling low Don't let them make you worry Keep swinging at these suckers till you worried I was born to raise Hell, a nigga from the gutter Work the mother on the I'm kicking dust up Ready to bust them on the scene Steady mugging me Until they kill me I'll be living this life I know you feel me There's so much pain What up, what up, what up, what up, what up? That was Tupac. We're about to get into a little bit of Frankie Beverly and pain, joy and pain, and then we're about to come in to talk today's topic. Again, this is the next chapter radio with A Town and Gypsy Soul Child. Say something, Gypsy. Yo, yo, yo. Yes, coming to you from uh, Pomona, California, and um, Cleveland, Ohio. You know what I'm saying? And as we get further into it, it's going to be big differences in climate, which I'm going to exploit 
to my um, best interest. So with that, we're about to get into some Frankie Beverly. Um, if you want to call in, the number is 646-668-2574. Looking forward to hearing from you. And um, if you um, have our phone numbers, Gypsy Soul Childs or A-Towns, you can text message us a question if you don't want to get on the radio and ask it. But questions, comments, let's talk. Until then, let's get into some Frankie Beverly.
you know about that joy and pain like sunshine and rain that boy is singing that song that's one of those songs when it comes on people just jam regardless of age ethnicity people just get it in I'm sorry I like that song what you think about that song Gypsy man I want to go to a cookout and have some potato salad and do the electric slide after hearing that (laughs) (laughs) That's the end of every black movie ever (laughs) Yes, um, I'll let you know that even though 
we pride ourselves on being educated and intellectual. There's a whole lot of ignorance around here. So don't let our, our demeanor take away from the topic. We serious about what we're talking about. So I, I gave the disclaimer earlier. So I, <laughs> Yes, you did. So today's topic is working through pain. And in other words, it's just like this, and we're not doing any uh, encrypted messaging here. We're not trying to make this deep and beyond anybody. We're literally talking about how do you work through pain. And the next subject matter next week is going to be overcoming pain. So in this one, we're not, if we say, well, you didn't tell us how to overcome it or, you know, give suggestions on how to overcome it. Well, no, we ain't there yet. See, sometimes you have to work through pain and you can't set a due date or an end date on it because it's not one in sight. And if you can't work through pain and deal with pain without having a due or end date, those are the people who usually end up hopeless, giving up, whether that's refusing to live your life or taking your life or trying to destroy the lives of others. And so we have to be realistic and honest. Sometimes the goal is working through pain until we can see an end or until we can see a due date or an end date. But it's not working through, working toward that date. It's just working because we don't know if that date is there or coming, but actually working through to make sure we're there and here so if that date comes, we can get to it. So with that, Gypsy, <clears throat> what is your take on the purpose of pain and what is your perspective on working through pain? Break it down. Wow. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean. And like I said, for those who don't know, we don't prep this stuff. <laughs> so, we just bring it out how it comes. So, this is the first time he's hearing the question. Go ahead, Gypsy. Break it down. Definition of purpose mean, of pain. How to work through it. It's. It, it's the song you played just now. Mm-hmm. Um, joy and pain. You have an extreme of one thing and then an extreme of no- of another, right? You have a happiness. Oh yeah, everything is cool. Everything, everything is lovely. And then you have the opposite of that. Oh my goodness, somebody sm- sat on my puppy. You know, it's just that bad. You know what I mean? So you're hurting. You go through pain. So both the joy and the pain, number one, lets you know that you're in the land of the living. So that's the start of there. Okay. Um, but going Got to be that, alive to feel it, huh? Hey, you know, I have not heard of the alternative. So... <laughs> So I got you. <laughs> right, you know. You know, I, I didn't, I, you know, I, I, I go to church. I did not hear when they say, and this is blasphemous, so if y'all, you know, good Christian folks, y'all going to be mad. Get a sense of humor. Um, <laughs> you know, 
when you heard about Jesus ascending after death, you did not hear him say, ooh, I bumped my head on a cloud. No, that didn't happen. So, you know, I don't know about afterlife pain. I can only speak for this one. So if you feel in pain gotcha. or happiness, you know you're alive. That's first and foremost. So it's, so it comes with the territory. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. with that being said, first off, you got to recognize it. Ouch, that hurt. Ooh, I'm feeling this sort of way. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. To feel the pain. And then, it's not, as crazy as it sounds, sometimes you just got to embrace the pain. Head straight deep into the river. Just go with it. And then experience the pain, the hurt, and everything. Because what that does is it, 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 it strengthens. For me, it strengthens you a little bit. You get a little stronger. You get a little better. And then you are able to kind of just, for me, it all depends on what some of the pains are. You have to you have to figure your way out of it in terms of, okay, what's best for me? What's best for the circumstance? And you really start looking at these situations objectively. Not just from, well, I feel like this and I'm all in my feelings. And then, no, you start looking at things objectively. And then that makes a difference. You know, uh, I had a situation very painful. I'm, I'm going to get a little personal. Whereas, let's just say, me and the mother of one of my children don't really get along. And okay. it caused some pain with, in, in terms of me, me seeing and dealing with my child. I could have just, okay. oh, man, this, fuck, this messed up and just left it alone and never dealt with it. But then I had to say, no, nah, you know what? I have to go through this because it's my kid involved. Yes, ladies. We men have we we have feelings too, you know. Like Joe Jackson said, "I'm a man. I crown inside." Uh, <laughs> but what I, you know, what, what what happens is you work. You, I, I had to figure out a way in that situation. Okay, what's the best outcome? Let me think about this not only for myself but for my kid. What is the objective? What do you want? How much of this? And then you start putting things in perspective and coming up with a game plan. And that, once you come up with that game plan, you can work through it. My favorite, my favorite boxer of all time is Muhammad Ali. And if anybody knows the story of Muhammad Ali, George Foreman was supposed to kill him. <laughs> but Muhammad Ali being the tactician, the strategist, the, the master tactician that he was, he figured he had to learn how to take a punch, any kind of punch, harder than any time in his career. He was 30, what was he, 34 years old, 30, 30 something years old, fighting George Foreman. He had, been, he had been out of boxing. So his prime years, he was out of boxing, fighting the U.S. government. You know what I mean? So he didn't go to jail for not going into the into the military. So he so in Zaire, seventy four, he was getting knocked around. Had Larry Holmes just pummeling, 
and nobody understood why he was taking all this abuse and all this punishment, taking going through all this pain. When he was in the ring, he did he never before that did you ever hear of anything called the rope dope. You never saw anything like that. He figured out a way to take the pain and then get his get his title back and get his crown. So sometimes you gotta you gotta look at Muhammad Ali. You gotta take them. You gotta take up them blows. You gotta take them and just take them. Mm-hmm. And then when you and then when you do fight back, you know. <laughs> Um, not only did he knock George Foreman out, but he knocked that man into a two-year depression. Real talk. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's you know that's that's how I look at dealing with pain. But but the thing about it is, in your situation and in Ali's situation, because I want I want to um, specifically look at when there's no necessary. Not what they call light at the end of the tunnel or no reasonably foreseen endpoint, and you are working through pain knowing that you got to be here for it to be another side. And for all those um, on the air, this is the DIO Radio Network, the next chapter radio, TNC. And if you want to get in on this conversation, you can call 646-668-2574 and get in on the conversation. Give us your, your, your um, input your insight, or whatever you have to say about it, the topic is working through pain. And understand this is two parts. We're talking about working through pain, and then next week we're going to talk about overcoming pain. But right now we're just talking about how do you get through that daily grind of pain. So my question is, did you necessarily see an endpoint for you getting your son? Was it up in the air? And how did you keep moving through it even when it looked like it might not work out, or you were unsure it was going to work out. How did you? How did you? How did you navigate that? It sounds cliche, but you know, I said I say this. My 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 family, you know, they church and all that. They tell you, you know, you got to have faith. Well, no, you're not George Michael. Don't tell me I got to have faith. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he's the only one with faith, but I get it. Go ahead. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) So, (laughs) um, for me, I'm like, in that situation, it was one of those things of, Hey, listen, man, uh, I'm scrappy. This is going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Even when the times when it looked dark, bleak, like it was never going to work out, I I kept telling myself, it's going to happen. And if you got one or two people that's just in your corner, just in your corner, Hey man, you go. It's gonna be all good. You know, take a break. Get it. Get you know. Hey man, you know everything is cool. Don't worry about it. Take your mind off it for a second. Then get right back to it. But you can't never lose your own focus. Cause if you give up, like there's no hope, nowhere, ever. You going to that? You you're not going through pain. You're going through death. 
Because gotcha. because anytime you start giving up like that, you might as well go ahead and chalk it all up. Now, I'm not saying that for anybody who's listening that they should, you know, commit suicide or anything like that. I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying somewhere down in you, you got to, sometimes you got to dig deep. But that spark is there. And hold on to that spark with all you got. And the more you hold on to it, believe it or not, it'll grow and it'll strengthen you and you'll keep and, and and you'll rise up and you'll rise up and you'll rise up. And you have to know that you're going to make it beyond the shadow of a doubt, even when everybody else don't. Even if you don't have yeah. anybody else in your corner, you got you in your corner, and that's all you need. So what I got from you, is you have that positive self-talk. And I'll break some of this down clinically, so I'm just summarizing like that. Positive self-talk. And that's, in other words, just reminding yourself of the positive and also being goal-oriented. In other words, this is going to be, this is going to work out. This is, you had a goal of it being worked out, and you have a positive self-talk where you reminded yourself that, hey, this is going to work out. And then, what helped you is you have had a support system and that support system helped you to set realistic expectations and know when to take a break, but to never give up. But also you have what we call the ego strength and that's the strength of self and identity that even if you didn't have the support system, you were determined to fight through anyway. So what I'm getting from your story is positive self-talk, goal oriented support system that's going to help you set realistic expectations and also let you know it's okay to take a break sometime as long as you don't lose focus, and then to just have that ego strength, that resolve, that if nobody's going to support you, you're going to support you. Is it, am I yeah, close? That, yeah, that's it. That's only, you know, he, 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 he took it to college, but, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, again, that's, that's a, as I say, I'm a dissertation away from the doctorate, and, I talk this way because I want to make sure that I'm getting the, my money's worth because my student debt tells me that I should be smarter than the average bear. So <laughs> there, we, there, there we go. So, um, <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah, so but he, what he said is very important. It's very important because he also said something in there. He said also never give up hope. And there's a difference from hope and expectation. So the expectation is when you have a reasonable belief and, we, and understand, because people are like, no, nah, expectation got to be reasonable. And here we talk about the practical, the real, and the true. We're not going to give the irrational and the, the fantastic magical thinking or the negative or people who cheat their way through life. We're not giving that perspective. It is implied that when we say something, we're talking about a, a specific perspective. So when you have realistic expectation, it's based off of having something concrete to look at to say, you know what, there's a good chance that this happened. Hope is when there's sometimes nothing concrete to look at. And the only thing that you have to believe in is your force of will, force of self, God, faith, whatever you want to call it, and therefore you have a hope that it's going to work out. And then studies show that one of the things that make 
black folks and people of color more resilience is because even when we're inside helplessness, we don't have hopelessness because we usually have a faith in something higher than us. So our helplessness does not denote the end. But when we become hopeless and helpless, that's when black folks and people of color start to bite the dust. So, like he said, positive self-talk, get a support system, be goal-oriented, set realistic expectations, take a break sometime from the struggle, but never lose focus of it, right? Have that ego strength where if nobody supports you, you're going to support you, and never give up hope. Those are some beautiful things in working through pain. And understand in this, we want practical application. We don't want you to leave here and not have anything to do. These are concrete steps. Talk to yourself positive and instill that hope, even if you don't see a way, because if you see a way, then that's an expectation. Hope is when there's really nothing concrete, tangible that you can look at that guarantees it, but you're still banking on something higher or outside of yourself or something inside yourself where you believe that you can manifest the end that you want. Have that hope. Set realistic expectations. Now we get into the clinical part. When you don't set realistic expectations, you actually beat yourself up because you set up a goal that you can't reach. Then when you can't reach that goal, you label yourself a failure. That failure then impacts your hope and what we call your self-efficacy or your ability to handle things, and then that increases your depression. So just by setting realistic expectations, you can help avoid depression or that giving up spirit that would have you giving into pain as a master instead of looking at it as a foe. So when we talk about working through pain, what I always like to talk about are the types of pain. And there are different kinds of pain. There's that workout pain, right? And that workout pain is when you get that burn and you know that you exercise in those muscles and that pain says, okay, push it out a little bit more. We're getting stronger, right? Let's go. Then you have that pain where you try to lift something that's too heavy. And that's that pain that stings that says, you know what? I'm not doing something correctly. Something that I'm doing is not working out, and I need to rethink what I'm doing because this ain't happening right. And then you have that let it go pain. And that's that pain like when you accidentally put your hand over an open flame. That's the pain to say, move it. This is not good for you. And what I notice is most people do not differentiate well between what kind of pain they're feeling. And therefore, they don't know how to properly react to it. To work through pain, you have to first properly identify it. What kind of pain are you going through? Is it that workout burn pain that says, you know what? This is benefiting me. This is making me stronger. I need to press through. Is it that life is too heavy pain? I'm doing something incorrectly that I need to figure out, and I don't need to stop but I need to revamp or restructure how I'm doing what I'm doing because it's causing me pain. And then that let it go pain, that pain where, you know, this is just real stupid to keep my hand over this fire or, you know, keep grabbing on this sharp blade. Maybe I need to let both of these things go and find another hobby. And that's what we need to do. So in working through pain, 
first identify what kind of pain you're dealing with. Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to take what Gypsy said and then be goal-oriented to keeping your hand over a fire or keep your hand wrapped around a sharp blade or, you know, keep walking barefoot over cut glass or over broken glass. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about that foolish, crazy thing. He's talking about when you have a realistic goal, but he's actually talking about that workout pain or that life too heavy pain. Okay, I need to revamp how I'm doing this. That's when you set realistic expectations. So my thing right now is look at how you look at the pain you're dealing with and ask yourself, what kind of pain am I feeling? And based on that, you need to decide what you're going to do. And in it, we have to remember, again, the positive things that Gypsy said. So with that, we're going to take one song break. I want you to really think about this because this is practical application. I want you to think about what kind of pain you're going through and start thinking about the best way to address it. Are you in something that you need to let go? And when we come back, Gypsy, I want to talk to you about knowing the let it go pain because that's the pain that we suffer from the most. The other pains, you know, the um, life is too heavy pain, that's not something where we were supposed to abandon something. That was supposed to be where we just refocus and restructured our approach. But I want to talk about that let it go pain. And when do we know that it's that let it go pain? And because that's the pain we don't want to work through. And that's what we want to make sure. We want to know what to do, also what not to do. And before I start this, yo, Gypsy, this Jaguar Wright song, it's nine minutes and 15 seconds. Is this the right one or did I, I get the wrong song? Nine minutes and 15. Good Lord. Well, we just don't nobody pl- got that. I don't think we nobody got play- that much to say at no time. Okay. Well, we don't play the Q-tip. We, we don't play the Q-tip. We love, we fight, and um, featuring Raphael Sadiq. And then we'll come back to the Jaguar right because, you know, um, you, you don't want everything. So, you know, I got the, um, I guess, the extended version. But we'll get into it. So this is the hour radio network this is the next chapter radio you have your host gypsy soul child say something gypsy yo yo and then we have uh me a town and today's topic is working through pain so we're going to listen to um little q-tip featuring Raphael sadiq then we're going to get back into the discussion so over this break think about what kind of pain am i dealing with is it the kind of pain that I need to, that's making me stronger? Is it the kind of pain that tells me I need to revamp my approach and do something, do, do what I'm doing, but do it differently, or are you dealing with that let-it-go pain? So think about that. We're going to get into this. And it, and it begins. He walks outside for a cigarette break and thinks how many cigarettes does it take.
Well, yo, this is A Town with Gypsy Soul Child. And though I'm in Pomona, let me get this straight because I said it, you know, coming from Pomona and Cleveland. I'm not saying I'm from Pomona. I'm saying that's where I'm at. But I'm 216 in heart, born Cleveland, raised between Cleveland and the suburbs of Chicago. I'm a Cleveland boy. Don't don't get it wrong. I don't want people like, he came in Pomona. Nope, 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 nope. Cleveland, in all its, I don't even know if you say wonderfulness, Cleveland, <laughs> in all, in all of, of it, it is. In all of it, Cleveland, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Cleveland. We, hey, and we make up words on this show. Forget <laughs> forget education, acumen, or intelligence. We make up words. And if you don't like the words we make up, make up better ones. Or give us hey. more apropos words. Hey, listen. Half our listenership was dancing to, holler, to Mary J. Blige singing about holleration and dancery. So. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? I still don't know what holleration and dancery is. It, it's is it, it, it's a hot mess. It's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> we can't get on that too long because we we we'd be on that for the next thirty minutes, and we only got like thirty two minutes left. So we don't need a hey, number. To call in at six four six 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 eight two five seven four. This is the D Hour Radio Network, and this is. TNC Radio, the next chapter radio, and um, we're, we're digressing because we said we make up words, and he brought up Mary J. Blige, who did in one song. Did she make up, were both of those words in the same song? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so she made up dancery and holleration. So if anybody has a definition for those, we will stop the topic of the show to discuss them and where you got the definitions from, because we want to see that dictionary. Just say Right. So, oh, but to, to to also talk about it, like, I don't watch football, but I keep track of stats, and I think our, our Browns just lost to the Rams, so um, I ain't happy. So that's just my Cleveland note. But we used to losing, so it ain't a big shot. But uh, how do you deal with that, that pain, time. man? How you how do you deal with the pain of the Browns losing all the time? And now the Cavs I losing, it, too. I let it go. <laughs> so for Cleveland fans, I, I, he doesn't go through that go. same process. He just lets it go. I let it go. I mean, no, I mean, okay, that's, that's, a, good, that's a good No, that's, that's a good segue. That's a good segue. Straight up. Because, like, I'm, I'm, I'm about to tell on myself, but I don't care. I remember, I remember, you know, the Cleveland Browns when they was the dogs of defense, when you had Bernie Funny-looking Cozart as the quarterback. You had uh, Kevin Mack. You still had Ozzie Newsome. You had uh, Hanford Dixon and Frank Minifield. Barking on the field, that's how they became the dogs. Like I remember when I remember when the dog pound was a ski uh, was a seedy place. It wasn't all nice and proper like it is now. No, the dog pound seedy at the original Cleveland Browns Stadium. All right, like I was a child and went there with my parents and seen fights break out. Seedy, <laughs> like you know, it wasn't 
Disney family friendly like it is now. So I remember these cats, and that's when they was playing smash mouth great football. And I was a fan. Oh, my God. Like, oh, and that horse tooth bat. I'm sorry, I shouldn't call him that. Horse tooth bastard marched down the field and knocked the, knocked the Browns out of position for going to the Super Bowl. Heart crushing. And I was a You must be talking about Elway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's the only reason he got drafted to the Broncos, because he had teeth like the mascot. Anyway. <laughs> Still hurts my heart thinking about it. That's why I talk about him. John Elway. Actually, he's a great quarterback. I mean him no harm. But he crushed a lot of people's dreams. And that arm, he, he just did his thing, man. They, and they did their thing. Wiped the Browns out, man. I was, and I was hurt. And the next season, I remember I had it. I bought a real dog bone, right? And I had it, and I was chewing on it every time. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Browns, you know what I mean? And when they lost that game, I threw that bone in the trash. The rawhide bone, I threw it in the trash. And walked away. So that was your let it go moment. That was my let it go moment because after <laughs> that, the Brown. No, I mean seriously. After that, the Browns they they just broke my heart. They they instantly got terrible. They got worse and worse and worse. Then they left the city, went down to Baltimore. Right. Mm-hmm. Cleveland was out was was without football. For, for four years or I, At least I don't even remember how long But I believe it was like four years They yeah. came back in 99 I saw those orange jerseys I think we had The original Our, our comeback quarterback was Tim Couch Who sucked But I had a Tim Couch <laughs> jersey You know what I mean I was living in Atlanta you know, Repping Cleveland Although I I like the uh, I didn't necessarily like the Falcons, but I was a Deion Sanders fan. So you know everywhere okay. Deion, That's okay. every everywhere Deion, everywhere primetime touchdown. Hey, they had me for that season too. So anyway, the Browns came back, and I was like, all right, here we go, Brownies, here we go. Nope. <laughs> And then you hear people say in Cleveland, you know, hey, man, you know, we might have a 500 season. That's winning half and losing half. (laughs) (laughs) Where else do you shoot for 500? Where else do you shoot for half? So that's what you do is time to let it go? If you're not in divorce court, (laughs) you don't do for half. You know, and some you lose some. No! That's horrible. So so what were the signs? Because we're talking about, so we know, everybody know we're talking about, because 
we get kind of silly. We're talking about pain, and we talked about three kinds of pain. The workout pain that gives you that burn that lets you know you need to keep going, you're getting stronger. The life is a little bit too heavy, and we need to pain that we have to continue doing what we're doing, but we have to revamp our technique because it's not working. And then we have that let it go pain, and that's the pain where we know, listen, this pain is telling us that what we're doing is over. We don't need to be doing this anymore, and we need to let go and do something else. And we talked about the Browns, and for people from Cleveland, that's a real let it go pain. So, <laughs> so, so um, not to make light of the subject, so what were the, set, the signs or the key aspects of the Browns existing to let you know it was time to it wasn't a, it wasn't that we need to do something different. It wasn't uh we're getting stronger. It was a we need I need to let this go pain when it comes to putting, you know, faith and time in the Browns. Like tell me what were the, the signs? Um there were many. Jeez. Um there were <laughs> it's, it's like this, you know, you keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. Never mind that being a sign of insanity and hoping for something different. Never mind that being insanity. How about that's just not being smart? I remember being a child and being crushed. You know what I mean? And people do this in different ways. You know what I mean? Some people, they just get real hard and bitter about it. I was like, eh, no, nah, I can't do this. I'm out. Like, I went, I, I, I still was like, nah, I'm out. But it was from a, from a different place. I didn't allow myself to, I didn't stay so long to get bitter. I wasn't as invested and just, it wasn't a soul-crushing pain. For me, it was one of those things, love, you know what? I, can, I, can, I cannot do this with you. Because y'all hurt me too much. When I saw the consistent, uh, how should I say? When I saw the consistent um, consistency for mediocrity, you know, everybody else is trying to win the Super Bowl. Y'all trying to win five hundred games. That seems retarded to me. That I mean, oh, I'm sorry. It's not PC to say that anymore. That seems asinine and foolish to me. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That seems that 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 seems foolish. You are you are working to win 500. You don't believe you don't have that much belief in yourself and your team or your city. Why am I going to root for a team or a collective who only wants to get win half of their game? You know how I many other things? No, I mean, like, that just, sounds, like no, that, just, that just sounds ridiculous. Like, who are you rooting for? Um, I'm flipping the coin because I don't know if they're rooting for themselves today. So let me let me choose based on the coin toss. Right. Like, you know, mm, I'll tell you who I was rooting for at the end of the game. Like, no, man. <laughs> I got to go to the games now with two jerseys on. Like, it's just, let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's, <laughs> so um, 
let me tell you the clinical things I hear in there. One, an increase and consistent high level of pain. Also, a noticeable decline in the person or thing coupled with a lack of motivation and ambition to change it, right? And also a decrease in the quality of relationship. And those things are very important. Those things let you know it's about letting go. Because sometimes I'll give the example of a lifeguard. Because um, no, I was not a lifeguard. I thought about becoming a lifeguard. And then I used to go, I was part of the YMCA. And the YMCA, they used to teach, you know, they didn't make you lifeguards, but they taught you how to save each other just in case something happened. And the first thing they teach us, taught us is if someone fights you when you go to um, save them when they're drowning, let them go. And then we're like, but they'll die. And he said, and if you fight them, you'll both die. Because they're going to be fighting you, and you're going to end up drowning with them, right? So well, we have to understand that sometimes in saving somebody who wants to be saved or saving a relationship where it's clear that the person in it doesn't want to be saved or it's clear that staying in that situation is not only going to worsen the situation and have it devolve, that you're going to devolve with it, that's a sign that it's time to let go. And that's different from not seeing an end. Because, like, for instance, when Gypsy Soulchild was talking about his child, his child, that's something you're supposed to fight for for the rest of your life. You're never supposed to just give up and like, oh, you know what, let the, straight, let the neighbors take them. That's different. But sometimes, you know, we get in positions where we have a goal that we want. Like, we want to be a, a, a great singer. But, you know, Nobody thinks we can sing except my mother. You know, we go to voice lessons, and even they tell you that maybe you should do something else. You get in front of crowds and sing, and you get terrible responses. You know, that's a, a gradual and increase in pain. And then you start realizing that you're losing your sense of self and, and, and confidence with this, and people are getting tired of you. That's when you're like, okay, you know what, that's, that's that let it go pain. This is a pain where this is just going to get worse and stay worse. And so those are the kind of things that we want to stay, stay away from. Also, in dealing with the let it go pain, we have to go back to what um, Gypsy started in the beginning where he was talking about, you know, it, this people was like, yo, man, you know, this is what you got to do. Sometimes you got to let go and then come back and refocus. You have to set realistic expectations. If your expectations are not realistic, and you are suffering pain from it, then you have to look at it, is this something I need to adjust, or is this to let go? So if your lack of realistic goal setting is based in an inability of yours, like you five foot one, and you want to be, you know, the number one um, high jumper in, in the country, you know, or in the world, you know, it, you know, not to put you down, it might be physically prohibited unless you're a spud web or something. And even then, that's still a reach. So at that point, you want to say, you know what? I've set an re- unrealistic expectation that in my wildest dreams, barring a miracle or something supernatural happened, this is not going to work for me. And this is going to cause me to suffer if I keep dedicating my life to it, basing my worth on me establishing it, but it's well beyond me. So that's what we're talking about letting go. We're not talking about 
surrealistic where you can sing and you got ambition, but people say, oh, the music music business will never accept you. No, we're not talking about that because you still have the ability, especially in today's world, to circumvent, you know, the music industry by getting enough YouTube views or enough people following you on Facebook or Twitter. We're not talking about that. We're talking about when there's a clear inability or limitation that you're not acknowledging and pushing that limitation is just destroying your hope because you're attempting to do something that you're really not just capable of doing. And that's what we want to avoid. We want to avoid the let it go pain. And we want to be able to recognize the other ones. Now, when we do our next show, we'll be talking about the workout pain and the life is too heavy pain because that's when we're talking about overcoming pain. Learning how to navigate those gets you to the other side. So with that, because I don't want to beat this up too much, what do you think, um, Dipsy? Um, did I leave something out? Is there something else that you want to add or, or something you want to clarify or, or, or put to what, you know, we've been saying? Yeah, I like the I like the uh, point that you were making about the, uh, you know, like if you're a singer and you just, you know, nobody thinks you can sing but your mama and, you know, you get bad responses when you go to voice lessons and everything. Um, there, with every rule, there's exceptions. And to that one, I would just say that would be Macy Gray, but that's a one in a million shot. So <laughs> I'm not going out like <laughs> I like I said, he's intelligent but ignorant. Macy, I ain't got no problems with you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I actually got no problems. Like, you know, whatever. Like, you know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> so, so, is there anything else you want to add, bro? <laughs> <laughs> No, nah, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So listen, we got this Jaguar right. It's really long. So we're just going to do this for a, a, a brief station break. And then we're going to come back in and we're going to um, do our affirmations for the week and wrap up. You know, an affirmation is just something that we're going to agree to work on or do for the next week because like he said, that positive self-talk, like, I can make it. I'm going to see my son. I'm going to see my son. Studies show that when you write down something, you externalize it, and it becomes more real, more tangible, and you're more likely to do it. If you say it in your head, you're less likely to do it. So we want to put it out. We want to speak it into the universe. And if possible, we want to write it down, and then we want to set our goals, and we want to move toward them. So at the end of every show, we're going to have affirmations. And they ain't got to be no big things. We ain't talking about we're going to save 15 children from starvation this week. It might be, you know what, my affirmation is I'm going to pray three more times um, three more times this week than I prayed last week, whatever it is. So, and, you know, and, and we do that to set an example for you. So we're about to get into this little Jaguar right, and then, yeah, we're going to be cutting it off in the middle because it's real long. And then um, we're going to come back with our affirmations and then our wrap-up. Again, this is the D-Hour Network. You're listening to the Next Chapter Radio. Your co-host is um, A-Town, and the other co-host is co-host. Say your name, bro. Gypsy Soul Child. And we are the Ignorant Intellectuals.
on the next chapter <laughs> radio. So get into this and we'll be back. Okay, I said get into this and it didn't do it. Okay, now nah, there we go. There we go. Oh, this is smooth. I want to talk over this. I ain't gonna talk over it though. So let's get the Lucky, yeah. He's looking at you. 
that's what we're talking about. Self-love and self-preservation. Dig that. Those are important when you're dealing with working through pain. Because see, the thing about it is if you realize we'll do things for other people that we're going to do for ourselves. And we do that out of love. So if we can develop that kind of love for ourselves, then we have that extra edge. In other words, we will push and fight for ourselves like we push and fight for others. And whenever I'm in, in, in therapy and I have somebody who's dedicated to other people, I always point out the contradiction and the difference in the level of dedication they have to other people than they do to themselves. And then it becomes that question why, and we get to discuss it. And a lot of times it's because we don't think we're worth it, but we're always worth it. We're always got that value to us, even if we don't recognize it. And so it's not about the, it's not about um, going to get the love. It's not about like building the love. It's about digging it up. It's like a diamond with dirt on it. It was not. It's not that it's not a diamond because it has dirt on it. You just don't recognize it or see it because it's covered in dirt. And a lot of times we think we're changing, but no, we're really just uncovering. So in working through pain, remember the stuff that we talked about, the positive self-talk, the support system, the realistic expectations, the taking a break without losing focus, you know, and the ego strength, and also knowing when that let go pain is there. When we notice a, a considerable decline in the level and the quality of the relationship and that there is a lack of ambition and motivation to change it or to improve it. And when there's clearly a conflict between what we want to do and where we have the capability to and where we set unrealistic expectations and set ourselves up for failure, those things will inhibit your ability to work through pain. And next week we're going to talk about overcoming pain. And that is the joy. Because they say, you know, what kill you doesn't kill you makes you strong. And that's not true. Usually in nature, if you look, what doesn't kill you makes you weaker and then something else knocks you off. So we don't want to buy that. What doesn't kill you makes you strong. And, and suffering doesn't build character. Overcoming suffering builds character. And that's what we want to get into. So, yo, Gypsy. Um, yo, sum yo. Up, sum up um, your, your thoughts about pain. You know, we got about um, five minutes to do this before we get to our outro music. So um, sum up your, um, your concept and idea of working through pain and then give us an affirmation, at least one thing you're going to do this week. Um, very simply, I mean, this sounds crazy and I'm not being facetious when I'm saying this. Yeah, I know big words, too. Uh, <laughs> you're so smart. <laughs> Six games. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, very simply, pain hurts. You know what I mean? It's, well, I don't care mm-hmm. if it's stubbing your toe or, you know, having uh, fighting for your kids or, you know, just hell, trying to make your household work or trying to be with your, with your significant other or whatever. Pain hurts. Lack of money. Pain hurts. Um, but what you do with that hurt, how do you channel it? How do you make that hurt work for you to strengthen you? Can you channel it? 
Can you pull from it? Can you, do you know if it's something that you need to just say, hey, you know what? I've come to the end of my rope. I need to, I need to walk away from it. Like, you know, my fan, my fanhood for the Cleveland Browns. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Just saying, you know, you have to, or, you know, or, and, and let me clarify this for all the people in Cleveland that may be listening. Um, it's not that I walked away, but at this point, they have to prove themselves to me in order for me to come back like I was. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's that, too. So just know, first and foremost, know the level of pain that you're dealing with. And then if you can use it to strengthen you, to overcome it, to work through it, by all means, do that. And if you can't, get away from it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your affirmation for this for this week? And like I said, you ain't got to be nothing big or grandiose, just something. Well, you know, uh, in a couple of days, I, I have a born day. So I've been thinking about this for the last uh, few weeks. So, um, that Jaguar Wright joint um, says it all. You know, just more self-love, self-preservation, self-determination, self-love, self-preservation. You know, that's it. Just give, get, just giving myself more of that and more of that. Because the more I can give that to myself, the more I can give that to others. It trickles out. So that's that's just that. You know, I can't make the world a better place if I don't make me a better me. I heard that. Well, you heard it from Gypsy Soul Child. Um, well, you heard my summary of, of pain, so I ain't got to go through that. My affirmation is I realize how much I love reading and how much I missed it because, um, and don't get me wrong, I, you know, on the doctoral level, you never stop reading, but you end up reading a lot of stuff that is based off of your profession. So I'm reading articles. I'm reading the DSM-5. I'm reading books on psychology. I'm reading um, books on treatments, all this other kind of stuff. And so my affirmation this week is I'm getting back to reading both. So um, my ultimate goal is to get back to where I was reading at least two books a week. Um, But my goal for this week is to um, get at least halfway through a book, and I think it's going to be Toni Morris's um, new book called Love, and um, it was, I think it was her last book. I bought it, and I started reading it, and I loved it, and I put it down, so I'm going to get to that. But with that, this has been the Next Chapter Radio. You've heard the affirmations. You've heard our talk about um, working through pain. Let people know about the D-Hour Network, the Next Chapter Radio. Um, We're always going to be here every Monday, 6 to 8 Pacific, and um, Pacific, and that is, what, 9, that's 8 to 10, um, 8 to 11, um, no, yeah, 8 to 11, 9 to 11, 11. Eastern Standard Time, so um, like I said, 6 to 8 on the Pacific end of it, and on the Atlantic end of it, um, we're well, going 9 to 11. 
So with that, we always going to leave you with this. Keep your eye on the sparrow, baby. Keep your eye on the sparrow. Don't go to bed with no price on your head. No. No, no. Don't do the crime if you can't do the time. Hey, no.